This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Roberts, and as always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Roberts, and here on the magnificent Monday edition of the Yard, what a good weekend of Bulldog Athletics. It was a good weekend, could have been a great weekend. I I would venture to say it was a really good weekend because of the quality of a couple of wins we picked up and uh, where the, the Lady Bulldogs ended up in the SEC standings, and so... We're going to break down the weekend it was. I think you'll be happy with the results. Of course, Bulldogs take two of three from Arizona State. The one they lost, of course, uh, quite the doozy there. That's one thing I'll say about this team. When we win, it's awfully fun. When we lose, we really lose. And that's the consistency piece that we're having to chase here. And uh, Bulldogs be back in action Tuesday night at Trustmark Park against Southern Miss. Hope you can turn out and make the game. The tickets are still available through the Trustmark Park ticket office. We got some berm tickets, even got some things in the uh, grandstand. I'll be there. Mike Nemeth will be there. We'll be there to provide full coverage. Uh, I'm actually going to sit in stands, and uh, we'll do post-game. Don't know if I do the play-by-play article. Just, I don't know. It's my wife's first game in a couple of years, and so I'm going to sit with her behind home plate and just kind of enjoy some college baseball, but we'll have full coverage. Mike, of course, will uh, have the gamer, and we'll do the Chris Lamontis, uh transcript and I uh, got some baseball coverage to come today uh, as well but uh, not just a baseball weekend Mississippi State men's basketball what a huge huge win for Chris Jans and the Bulldogs we've all been excited right we needed that that win to get us over the hump and we've had some good ones this may be the best one of the year because Texas A&M arguably the hottest team in the conference at this point and the Bulldogs protect the home court and win the ball game we're going to break all that down so much to talk about today. Glad you're with us. Hope you had a great weekend. So many good things that are happening right now, Mississippi State Sports. And uh, again, very, very honored and privileged to be able to uh, to cover that for all of you. I, I, at Duty Noble Field, I had several Boneyard listeners come up and say hello and tell me how much they enjoy the show. And thank you for doing that. That doesn't cost you anything, but means an awful lot to me. So thanks for the kind words. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I'll be there at one point this week. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat at the grill tonight. Can't wait to eat at the grill. That's one of the things I asked my wife. I said, uh, what's the first thing you want to do when you get back, other than just kind of unpack and reconnect and everything else? She said, I want to go get the Caribbean ribeye at the grill. So we're going to go knock that out tonight. And uh, at one night this week before we uh, head to Frisco, we'll head down to Bulldog Burger Company, and we'll enjoy some of the fine cuisine available at Bulldog Burger Company here in Starkville. There are three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and the Lake Harbor Drive location in the Ridge and Flowood area. Go by and check them out. Have the spring rolls as your appetizer. They'll make you and everybody around you better looking. 
it's in writing so you can trust that right and many of you need the spring rolls some of you I can tell you've had spring rolls recently in your life because you look younger you look more attractive not that I'm interested I'm just telling you your efforts are paying off get that great restaurant quality burger you'll be glad you did I'm, I'm leaning towards the freshman 15 when I go back uh, that's like you know how it is you kind of get in I'm gonna go here what am I gonna have I'm one of those kind of people I could think ahead right most of the people in my family can kind of you know stick a foot in the ground and pivot I'm like you know I'm, maybe it's the addict of me coming out but uh, I'm already thinking the freshman 15 sounds really good go by and have that or one of their great other restaurant quality hamburgers you'll be glad you did Get that chocolate shake to go. I'm a big proponent of dessert to go. Might even get that uh, Shipley spread pudding to take with me because I'll get home and I'll think, you know what? I'd like a little palate cleanser, right? I love Bulldog Burger Company. You will too. Go by and check them out. we got some uh, tap takeovers, and I understand the event last Thursday uh, was really good. A lot of people uh, went and took part in that, and that's a cool thing they're doing. you know. And it also allows you know our brewers from the area a chance to kind of get out and give you the opportunity to sample those products. So, again, when we announce those for you, be sure and go check them out when you're looking for something to do. That's a tap takeovers at, um, at Bulldog Burger Company. And a happy hour every day, of course. Go by and check it out. Maybe you need a, uh, an adult beverage after a long day of work. Maybe you're pre-gaming for uh, a bigger event. I don't know, but Bulldog Burger Company, always a great place to stop. Whether it be a night out with friends or a night out with family, they can take care of you. Great food at a great price outstanding service Bulldog Burger Company the place where people go to meet M-E-A-T alright our top story Mississippi State men's basketball takes care of Texas A&M and we, we, we talked about it on the show I said you know we got a chance to win this ball game and the longer this season went the better opportunity Texas A&M presented for us were second in the SEC and of course uh, Alabama struggled with Arkansas for a while and ultimately went on to win the game so Alabama's now clinched I guess at least a share of the SEC regular season ground and, and I don't know what your feelings are about that a lot of controversy around the Alabama program these days it's kind of easy to root against them to be quite honest with you but uh, our rooting interest is with Mississippi State and what a huge win. I mean, an absolutely huge win. And, and it really felt like State controlled the game pretty much throughout. That was the exciting part of, part of, part of it is that, you know, you get a quality team to come into your arena and over 9,000 people, uh, you know, showed up to see it. Bulldogs had the, uh, the lead at the break, 30-28. to 28, And it felt like, to be quite honest, that we should have been up more. We should have been up more. It's like we had outplayed them. Uh, really throughout the first half, they make a little bit of a run late and kind of make it uh, a better ball game. But, uh, you know, State up by nine, right around the 13-minute mark. And it just kind of felt like, you know, we're, we're kind of doing what we want to do. We're actually executing the offense pretty well here. And A&M, a very talented team. But, uh, you know, we close out the half, really kind of futility on both sides. Neither team scored the final three minutes of the first half. And again, State led by as many as nine. And I don't believe we ever trailed uh, in the first half. I mean, I'm just checking my notes here. But no, we did not trail uh, the entire first half. And you got to think A&M, maybe they're looking ahead a little bit. But in this league, you can ill afford to do that. We come out after the break, and A&M takes their first lead of the game with a three-point basket from uh, Dexter Dennis. 
and rather than fold, State comes right back. It's nip and tuck for a while. The Aggies got up by six at the 15-minute mark and then stretched it out to a nine-point lead when Andre Gordon rammed home a three at the 14-minute mark, and you're thinking, okay, well, this is it. This is when the Aggies make their run. But your Bulldogs have proven they're not going to go away. They're going to continue to fight, and lo and behold, you look up just under the 11-minute mark, and a Deshaun Davis basket gives Mississippi State the lead again. So we've overcome their, their big push there. Everybody makes a run in college basketball. We are able to sustain some things and get back on a positive side. And from there, it felt like, you know what, we're in pretty good shape. The big play for me is we're up four, and Cam Matthews gets a steal, and we get it out front to DJ Jeffries, and DJ, with the heave, puts us up six under four minutes, and it just really felt like at that point we're going to be good. And it's, it's an and one situation, former Bulldog Anderson Garcia. And, and listen, things didn't work out for him. But, yeah, best game of the year for him in his return to Humphrey Coliseum. I, I don't have any you know ill will or ill feelings about Anderson Garcia. I know when he played for Mississippi State, that, that kid played with a lot of energy. He gave us a great effort. It just didn't work out. And, you know, now he's at A&M and getting a chance to play on a, on a team that's certainly bound for the tournament. And had he stayed here, probably he would have had the same opportunity because of the the, the steps that we have taken as a program. But uh, good on Anderson Garcia. Uh, DJ misses the free throw. And then we, we do some things here down the stretch. And we we have kind of done this in epidemic proportions at times, when we're trying to close that ball game, sometimes we make some silly fouls. And this is one of them here. You know, DJ f- fouls and gives them the opportunity to score without the clock running. And when you're trying to close out a game, you need the clock moving. They make both of their free throws to cut it to a four-point game. And then, lo and behold, we go back, run a half-court set, get the ball to Tolu, in for the basket, pushes us up to six. It is an and one situation Tolu converts. It is now a seven-point lead with three minutes to play, or close to that. And then again, we foul again. And it's DJ. Again, we foul again. Uh, They make a free throw. We miss on a three, but get the rebound uh, after a defensive stop. And Shaquille Moore with a very acrobatic play here. He gets up there. I think I'm thinking he's going to drop the ball down to Tolu, but instead, with the shot clock winding down, he throws up a left-handed wing and a prayer, and it falls. And those are the times when you start thinking, this is just our day. When, when shots like that are falling, it's just your day. And, of course, that goes in. Shaquille eventually fouls out shortly thereafter. But it's an eight-point Bulldog advantage with two minutes to play. They convert both of those free throws, which cut it to six. It's still a two-possession game, and you think, we're not out of the woods just yet. They have to foul us, and they they foul Cam Matthews. And what have we said countless times on this show? Closing time is Cam time. At this point, I'm so absolutely confident when Cam Matthews steps to the line late in the ballgame that we're going to be able to extend the lead. Uh, Him and uh, Rams Davis both have just been money. And, of course, Tolu's had some big free throws late in ballgames. But it just seems like Cam Matthews is so athletic in the open floor, they have to foul him. And now he's making teams pay for doing that. Sean Jones then fouls. I really thought this was a charge. I did not agree with the call. I thought the game was pretty well officiated. To me, it looked like Jones is, is set there. And uh, they run in each other and uh, knock knees. But uh, they call it a foul. They make both of the free throws. So now, again, it's a two-point possession, two-point game, two-possession game, excuse me, 
with a minute 30 to go. We miss uh, – I, I would hate to call it a bunny, but it's a shot that Tolu will probably tell you that he should make. We miss it there. It gives them an opportunity. They miss the three, get an offensive rebound, put it back up, cut it to four, and then they're forced to foul again. And it's Cam Matthews again. And he makes them both. Pushes it back to a six-point lead just over a minute to go, and then we foul. This time it's Cam Matthews. And it's almost like the officials are kind of looking for this. I mean, why would we be wanting to foul late? I, I mean, it's not worth writing an article about, but it seems it seems like they get a little bit whistle-happy late in ball games. And I understand the team that's trailing needs to foul. We don't need to foul. And sometimes we are fouling, but other times it seems like these fouls are rather ticky-tack. I mean, some of these fouls, you know, before the ball is inbounded and things like that. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's worth looking into. I don't know what we gain from it. But it just seems like late in ball games, they're looking for us to foul. Like it's, I don't know. I'm not trying to allege a conspiracy here. But it seems like some of these fouls that maybe wouldn't be called during the flow of a regular basketball game are getting called in the final four minutes of a game. Henry Coleman, the third, knocks them both down. So, again, it's a four-point game. Right at the one-minute mark. Tolu turns it over. This is big. But then Sean Jones, with a huge steal here, gets the ball back. And, of course, we're able to to make them work deep into the shot clock. And that's, again, the Chris Jans thing. I mean, when you go play the Chris Jans coach team, you better bring a lunch because we are going to be in your face. We're going to defend well. And we force a turnover here. They're forced to foul. Tolu makes one of two. But now it's a five-point game with 26 seconds to go. And uh, they turn the ball over again. Tyrese Radford this time turns it over. And um, they're forced to foul, and they foul Cam Matthews. So what is it? Cam Matthews, six big free throws in the final minutes of this game to put it away. State ultimately wins by seven. Huge, huge, huge win. If you've been on the fence about Bulldog basketball, just waiting for them to break your heart, I think you can go ahead and, uh, and get off the fence. I think it's okay to get behind this team. Bulldogs now 19-10 and 10 overall, 7-9 in the conference. A&M drops to 21-8, and 13-3 in the conference. You know, when we got through the non-conference schedule, we're thinking A&M's just going to be another team. We kind of just accepted this game. This would be one at home that State should win. Lo and behold, they catch fire in conference play. We ultimately win the game, but it proved to be a much higher quality win than maybe we anticipated back during the non-conference portion of the schedule. All right, Wade Taylor, the fourth, has 21 points to lead uh, the, the Texas A&M Aggies. Henry Coleman, the third, with 11. And then Anderson Garcia off the bench. Again, congratulations to Anderson, even in a loss. Uh, 11 points for him, pulls down four rebounds. He ultimately did foul out of the game. But, again, no ill will at all. The, the game was tied three times. The lead changed hands just four times, and all that really in the second half there. Tolu with a great game for us, 17.6 rebounds, uh, five of eight from the free throw line. Shaquille Moore, 14 points, four rebounds, and he did foul out late. And it would been nice to have had him late because he's another guy, too. It's a pretty skilled free throw shooter. Cam Matthews, 11 points in the ballgame, five rebounds, and, of course, six of those coming at the line as State's trying to close this thing out. D.J. Jeffries had that one big emphatic play they kind of put this thing away. Nine points for him, six rebounds. Did a lot of the grunt work. Did not convert on a three-point basket. 0 of 5 from beyond the three-point line. Deshaun Davis, 30 minutes of action, just six points, but knocks down a couple big free throws. Also had three steals to lead the team. Sean Jones, again, giving you good minutes off the bench and 14 minutes 
Uh, six points for him. Eric Reed Jr. Still getting a lot of minutes. You, you just feel like at some point he's going to have another breakout game. He's had some big threes at times, but uh, the reality is his shooting has been a little bit elusive for him here in recent weeks. But give Christian some credit. He's had him on some on the floor in some big moments, some big defensive possessions, and Eric has come through. Just five points on the offensive end. Tyler Stevenson has seen his minutes reduced a little bit here as of late. I think that's really more about matchups. Just four minutes for him. Will McNair, a dozen minutes, did not score, but did pull down two rebounds. Uh, Three-point shooting, a bit of an adventure for State. Three of 21. Eric Reed makes one of four. Shaquille Moore, two of six. The rest of the team, 0 for 11. That's not good. We're going to have to do better there. And uh, you need, you know, DJ's getting some looks. He's got to be able to knock those things down. Bulldogs 20 of 30 from the line. And then 31 rebounds for State, which was even with A&M. You can live with that. uh, State shot 44.2% as a team. And again, it's 14.3% from beyond the arc, right at 67% uh, from the free throw line. 34 points in the paint for the Bulldogs, 13 points off turnovers, 12 second chance points, 14 fast break points, and a dozen points off the bench. All right, so what's next for Mississippi State? Well, we talked about how important last week was. And like, man, if we could just find a way to get a split. Well, we did a little bit better than that, uh, to say the least. Yeah, that's an exciting part of this. It's like, you know, we lose that tough game in Missouri. We felt like we should have won. Um, we did get a split, excuse me. And, um, and then you beat A&M. So we do get the split we need. So South Carolina comes in Tuesday night. For senior night, we need a huge crowd. I know it's a Tuesday night, and it's a late tip. It's 8 p.m. game will be broadcast on the network. But if you're in the area, please turn out. It's the last home game at the Hump. A lot of discussion. This will be Tolu Smith's uh, last game at Humphrey Coliseum. But we need it up. We absolutely need a W. I, I think we're in. You know, we're still like in that last four in type thing. If you can win these last two, I think you remove all doubt. And, of course, you win a game in a tournament. Of course, you don't have to worry about that. But as of now, we're in. South Carolina has not been good. Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y dot com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get... A three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having the outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. you got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You get fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. You that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, 
You can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. We all know it. Went up there and beat them uh, in Columbia earlier this year. And uh, at our place, we've been a very difficult team to, to compete against. So, again, this should be a game that we win. But uh, looking quickly ahead at South Carolina here, it has not been the year that many of them had hoped for. Maybe it's the year people expected. They're 10-19 and 19 overall, just 3-13 and 13 in the conference. They've lost two in a row. They're a 4-7 and seven true road team and then lost four games on a neutral floor. So away from their home arena, they're 4-11. and 11. There's no reason to think they should come in here and beat us. But we can't just get set, you know, uh, sit back and get fat and go eat a fish sandwich behind a tree with our girlfriend, to borrow a phrase. But this has not been a good team. You know, beginning of the year, 
you start looking, hey, you know, they knock down a couple things here and there. They even beat Clemson. They go to that Charleston Classic. They lose all three games to the powerhouses, Colorado State, Davidson, and Furman. They lose to Furman by 19 points. Craziness. All right, we'll skip ahead here. Big win at Georgetown, I guess. I mean, that's more of a helmet sticker type win. Georgetown really hadn't been the same uh, here in recent years. They open up with an overtime loss to Vanderbilt in Nashville. They get absolutely drilled by Tennessee, 85-42. They win at Rupp, 71-68. And that's the thing. That's been the curse of Kentucky, even though they have played exceptionally well here, uh, really since they beat Mississippi State. They've played really well. But uh, Carolina goes in there and gets the dub. They, they get beat, again, drilled by Texas A&M at home, 94-53. Ole Miss gets them by a dozen. Auburn gets them by 15 points. Florida, down there in Gainesville, gets them by 21. They lose at Georgia in overtime by three. And we know it's been a tough venue for a lot of people to go play in. And then we get them by 15 in their place. And then they lose by two to Arkansas. They lose at Missouri by nine. Ole Miss gets them. Excuse me, they beat Ole Miss in Oxford, 64-61. And you may have heard Kermit Davis fired uh, at Ole Miss. Probably the least surprising news of the SEC basketball season. 75-64 losers to Vanderbilt again. So Vanderbilt sweeps the season series. They go to LSU and break their schneid, and they beat LSU. And, man, what a rough year it's been in Baton Rouge. They come back and they have a little juice here and they take Alabama to overtime at home and lose by two. Probably not the game many people expected with all the distractions in Tuscaloosa. It's not, you know, the least bit surprising that perhaps that uh, Alabama would be a little bit disjointed. They back up that great effort by going to Tennessee and losing by 40. And so they'll head to Humphrey Coliseum now. Uh, with two games left. And, of course, you know, the only chance they have to make the postseason is to win the SEC tournament. They have shown no semblance of being that caliber of team. So we have got to take care of business here. Real quickly here, it's been a while since we look at South Carolina. Uh, G.G. Gregory Jackson leads the team with 15.7 points per game. Uh, Michi Johnson with just over a dozen. Hayden Brown with 11. Nobody else in double-figure scoring. But this has not been a great team, averaging just 64.1 points a game, allowing 72. And the way that Mississippi State defensed them last time, you would expect them to be under their scoring average. Now, they got nothing left to lose. They're coming out and just kind of playing for the love of the game. Uh, but the reality of it is, is Mississippi State is trending in a much different direction. This is a game we can ill afford to lose. It's a game that we'll be expected to win. It's a game we should win. And quite simply, it's a game we have to win. You know, our resume is good, not great, so we can ill afford to have a bad loss like this and hurt ourselves as we kind of, you know, pu push ahead here. Really, in many res respects, I think, if we're being honest here, in a surprising season. That's the thing that's so exciting. We, again, we've talked about on the show, what is Christian's going to do when he gets a couple scores on the offensive end? I mean, this is a team, as hard as they fight – as tough as they defend, this is not an exceptionally talented team. And I'm not, I'm not saying that to be negative about the current roster. That's just kind of the reality of where we are. But Jans and the staff are getting more from the players that returned. And they found a way to kind of, you know, meld this thing together and put yourself in a good situation. And here you are, again, late February, we're talking about an NCAA tournament bracket. 
It's amazing the job the guy's done. He won't get the job. He won't get the honor. But Chris Jans deserves some Coach of the Year mentions. He does. And, again, I don't think he'll get it. You know, Nate Oates may get it, but there may be some people that vote against him uh, because of the, uh, the recent controversy. Maybe that's part of the deal. But uh, I'm very happy with our coach. I know you guys are as well. And it's not just about, you know, liking somebody and say they're a good person. You know, the future is going to be great. I think you feel really good about where things stand right now. All right, looking at the SEC standings, of course, Alabama 15-1 and one with two games to play. So, again, they have clinched a share. You know, A&M, of course, could win out and Alabama could lose out. And then they would share the title. But uh, I don't foresee that happening. Alabama's won three in a row. Uh, Kentucky 11-5, and five, two games behind A&M. So, you know, I guess it's conceivable A&M could lose out, Kentucky could win out, and Kentucky could be the, the two in the tournament. Uh, Tennessee, 10-6. And, and by the way, Kentucky's won four in a row. Missouri now 9-7. and seven. They're tied with Auburn and Vanderbilt. And Arkansas is 8-8. Eight and eight. We're right there at 7-9. and nine. So, again, that Vanderbilt game is not going to be, and again, going to Nashville, that's not going to be a game you look at and say, you know what, we're certain to win that game. We got to take care of South Carolina, but that Vanderbilt game this weekend could be a really good one. Could be. I hope it's not. I hope we go up there and make those guys exceptionally uncomfortable and find a way to uh, maybe catch them in the standings. But when you start, you know, looking through this thing now, you begin to realize that there's a handful of teams behind us. But we were so far behind. We have caught up in many respects, is because of the fact that uh, you got a good coaching staff that refused to let the team mail it in. Not that you had young men ready to do that, but. What a great job by the staff to keep everybody engaged. Said, hey, guys, listen, I know we're going to play Alabama and Tennessee twice in the first half of the SEC schedule, but hang in here with us because we're going to have some manageable games late. I mean, State could conceive if we finish 500 in the league. Think about that. You're 7-9 right now. You should beat South Carolina, and it's a toss-up game advantage. You win both of those games, you're 9-9. Exceptional. Tied with Mississippi State, of course, is Florida. They beat us head-to-head, so in a tiebreaker situation, they would get the better bracket seating. Then there's Georgia, Ole Miss, South Carolina, and LSU. LSU 2-14. and 14. Ugh. 13-16 and 16 overall. There are three teams in this conference that have an overall losing record. That's Ole Miss, South Carolina, and LSU. And there are so many people at, in all these places that are really disengaged. And, uh, you know, nothing is better for business than a coaching search or a championship uh, neither of those teams are going to have that. But uh, Ole Miss, of course, now looking to replace uh, Kermit Davis. So there'll be some juice around that. A lot of talk about Chris Beard. I mean, I don't know how you feel about that, but uh, he was exonerated of those charges. But uh, that's a name that's been mentioned in connection uh, with Ole Miss. So that's something to watch, too. But uh, SEC tournament's going to be a lot of fun. But here we are, the last week of the regular season, and your Bulldogs firmly in the conversation for the NCAA tournament. In the beginning of the year, I think if we were all fair with ourselves, we'd say, you know what, we're probably an NIT team this year, probably. And in year one, that's probably good. And, yes, we were an NIT team last year and lost in the first round. But the reality of it is you flip the roster over and you thought, you know what, if we can post a winning record and get in the postseason and lay the groundwork for next year, we'll feel pretty good about the direction of our program. And now here you are on the cusp of 20 wins and a potential 500 finish in the SEC. Exceptional job by Chris Jans and his team. Exceptional job. So 
we'll uh, look forward to hopefully getting a dub against South Carolina on Tuesday, and then we'll see how things look, uh, you know, with Vanderbilt. Kind of looking at their schedule, too, because, again, they're two games ahead of us. Um, you know, we'll see how things look here. But uh, Vanderbilt will play at Kentucky. Should be a loss, and then they'll host us. And so we could catch them in the standings. If we went out and they lose out, and that looks like a real possibility, it may not be a probability, but we ought, I don't expect them to go to Rupp and win. But they could. I mean, South Carolina did, right? But you begin to think about that kind of leapfrogging some teams here. Arkansas is 8-8. Eight eight. You think they're happy with that? They shouldn't be. You know, so you got a chance to move in the meaty part of the middle of this league. And we'll see how things, uh, you know, progress and develop. But uh, the fact that State – is even in this conversation, is a remarkable development. Our time for today's top 10 list is always brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. If you're unfamiliar, go familiarize yourself. Go to CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. And uh, you'll be glad you did. Blair is a mortgage professional, been in the industry 21 years, top 1% close ratio back-to-back years in the country, not just in Issaquina County. We're talking in and on uh, national mortgage lending institutions, right? Works at Fairway Mortgage, recently voted number one in customer satisfaction. Reach out to Blair for your mortgage needs, whether it be a refi, a new purchase, whatever you're looking for, Blair can handle He's seen it all and done it all. You need a professional working on something as important as your mortgage. There are a lot of things you can kind of cut corners on. Your mortgage isn't one of them. 601-500-2344. 601-500-2344. That is Blair's personal cell number. You can call or text him today. You don't have to you know, sit on hold or go through a receptionist or anything like that. You can go directly to Blair. And if you mention to him you heard about him on the boneyard, he's going to pay for your appraisal. That's about a $500 value. A lot of people want your business. Blair's willing to prove it. Again, that's closewithblair.com. Your proud sponsor of the top 10 list. Okay, so today we decided to go with a classic American rock band that we haven't addressed yet. And I sent this to Roy, and Roy's like, oh, that's a good audible. Hadn't thought about them in years. It's a band that originated in the 1970s. They've sold over 40 million records. They're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame fronted by one of the best female singers, perhaps of all time. I'm talking about Blondie and Debbie Harry. The very ultra-talented, ultra-beautiful Debbie Harry. Done some acting as well. But uh, she got her start, of course, basically in kind of a new wave punk band. There were times early on in the catalog that Blondie was kind of unsure of their direction. They did some things that were kind of reminiscent of some 50s doo-wop and things like that and kind of some uh, Lover's Lament stuff. And then they kind of found their groove. And so we're going to do a top 10 today. Uh, The first single was a song called X Offender. It was originally called Sex Offender, but they knew that it wouldn't get on the radio with that title. So be sure and uh, maybe check that out. We'll, We'll throw an honorable mention at that one. But Blondie... Had a lot of top 40 radio hits in the 1980s, especially in the early 80s. Uh, just really six albums before they disbanded. They reunited, had some success, but in many respects kind of became a nostalgia act. Not a lot of big hits after the reuni- reunion there. 
So we're going to go back to uh, what I believe is the heyday of Blondie. Number 10 from the album Plastic Letters. It's a track called I'm Always Touched by Your Presence. And this is a song, too, where they really began to get a little more alternative uh, in their delivery. And that's the thing about Blondie, too. A lot of diversity in the catalog. You can hear pretty much whatever you want at some point. But uh, I, I think and it, and they were kind of a fringe punk band. I mean, people called them a punk band. They had that punk attitude. They, they were probably a little bit more polished than many of their contemporaries. All right, the final album of the, I guess, the heyday is an album called uh, The Hunter. And the track War Child, which became a bit of a hit in the, the club scene. They had a lot of success in Europe, a ton of success in Europe. And uh, this was one of those songs, too, that um, was kind of a mainstay, especially in the London club scene. All right, from the great album Eat to the Beat, and, and some people consider this the top album in the Blinded Catalog. I don't. I think it's probably the second best album. But it's a track called Dreaming, number eight, Dreaming. In my estimation, the best Blinded album is Parallel Lines. And that's where we're going to go with our number seven song. It's hanging on the telephone, and a lot of references in that that are dated, like using a phone booth, right? It's interesting, too. You talk to young people today, and um, they don't understand the struggle we had, you know, having to use mom and dad's room to call your girlfriend, talk to your friends on the phone. Most of us didn't have a phone in our rooms. You had one phone for the whole house. I remember in old phone books, that's, a, that's something that they don't do anymore. They don't print phone books. But uh, it would say, hey, you know, Stephen, Dana Robertson. And then beneath it, it would say children's phone where you could call, you know, the kids. We, we never had that at our house. We had two phones, one in the master bedroom, one in the, uh, in the living room or the kitchen area. And everybody used to say, hang up the phone. Nowadays, people are like, why do you say hang up the phone? Well, we had to hang it on the hook. I'm from the 1900s. You know, not the Alexander Graham Bell era. But uh, things have changed a lot when it comes to telecommunications. But hanging on the telephone, number seven from the great album Parallel Lines. Going back to Eat, Eat to the Beat, it's a great song, Atomic. This one maybe didn't have the, the commercial success in the United States that it did in Europe. But it's a, it's a great track. And I think if you're unfamiliar with that, because, I mean, the rest of the songs on this, on this list are going to be songs that you're probably very familiar with. But Atomic is, is a kind of a sleeper in the catalog. I think you'll be happy with it when you check it out. All right, back to Parallel Lines. And I can still see this, uh, I can still see my dad riding around listening to this on, uh, on the radio, kind of being goofy and silly, as dads always are, but it's one way or another. And the song comes off a little stalkerish when you look at it through today's lens. One way or another, I'm going to get you, get you, get you, get you. Yeah, one way or another, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find you. You know, it's like there's all this, you know, Nowadays, you know, you couldn't say that sort of stuff. You know, it sounds kind of obsessive. It's funny how sensitive people have got. We've, they say we've become more progressive and accepting as a society, but we've become extremely sensitive. All right, number four from uh, Auto American, it's The Tide is High, and I'm rolling on. I'm going to be your number one. Well, this one is not only number four on our list, but uh, this was a huge hit, and uh Debbie Harry, I think, good vocal performance on this one. Much different than the rest. Kind of got that island feel to it. Of course, a song called The Tide is High. You'd expect some of that. All right, number three, sticking with the Auto-American album. It's uh, the great song, Rapture. 
Now, what's interesting about rapture, this is a huge song for references. It is believed that the first, like, rap that was actually recorded and played on American radio is in this song from one Debbie Harry. And she also mentions Fab Five Freddy, who was the initial host of uh, Yo! MTV Raps, Yo! MTV Raps. Fab Five Freddy was a legend in the East Coast rap game. And so he gets a shout-out here in the song, and um, it's interesting the evolution of rap and the, the fact that it goes back in some respects to Blondie and it was Blondie just, and Debbie Harry kind of throwing a bone to a rising genre. Maybe you didn't know that. You learned something today. All right, number two. And, uh, you know, there used to be this thing, you know, like I guess nowadays it's a, that's what I call music or whatever and there's like 10,000 of them. But then we used to get these uh, compilation Records like you could, like you know, again, from 1900s, that's all we had at the time was 45s or 33s, and they would have these uh albums that would come out and they'd be a compilation album. And I had a record somewhere, I don't remember the name of the record, but this song, Heart of Glass, also from the Parallel Lines album, was on that. And so I had this song on vinyl. And uh, remember, do you remember going to the skating rink and it seemed like Heart of Glass was played every time we went? It's a great track. It is. And I love the falsetto on it. I think Debbie Harry does a great job vocally on it. I don't know that she gets enough credit. There's sometimes, too, as beautiful as she is, I think sometimes maybe she doesn't get enough credit for her vocal uh, skill. She's a phenomenal performer. And even if she was average looking, she would be just as good a performer. And, and the fact that she's beautiful made her more you know, of commercial success because they put her on the album cover and the promotional pictures and things like that. But in no way should anybody ever undersell Debbie Harry as a vocalist. Number one for me, and it's probably the song that uh, maybe has the most attitude. And this is actually on off the American Gigolo motion picture soundtrack. You're probably looking for it and you're wondering where it's from. That's where it's from. It's the great song, Call Me. I love it. I think it's, I think it's Debbie Harry's shining moment. I think there are a lot of great songs in the catalog. To me, this is the best one. So number one, call me. And again, there, the guitar riff on this too. You know, back in those days, we couldn't play distortion on the radio. But this one was a little more in your face compared to a lot of the contemporary songs that were out at the time. But uh, again, Blondie, forty million records sold in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And again, you know, we talk about the femme fatale, right? You know, the, the great female singer that can kind of do it all and has it all. And uh, Debbie Harry is like that. You know, she was not just eye candy by any stretch of the imagination. She had some real, real grit to her. And uh, she's done a lot of exceptional things with her career. It's pretty amazing to think about that in hindsight. And the fact that, you know, that we're only talking about this, we're just finally getting to Blondie, is really kind of an indictment on me and Roy. But uh, glad to have done it. And, and I guess in some respects you would call them a new wave band. Maybe that's a label that really sticks. But um, they had a lot of international success. And again, from 74 to 82, you could hear Blondie on the radio pretty regularly. And then they reunited in 97, and uh, they're still out touring. But again, they're, they're really much, pretty much a nostalgia act. They, they, they'll put some new stuff in the, uh, in the set list, but it's not, um, not exactly what you'd expect. But uh, again, that Parallel Lines album was really kind of the breakout for them. They had had some kind of niche success. 
But in 78, when parallel lines hit, next thing you know, it's a number one record. Around the globe, really. And uh, Heart of Glass was really the one that, it was really the big, big single for them. And then things kind of picked up. You know, things really picked up from there. And of course, they benefited from MTV. You know, MTV was not alive in the 70s. But once, uh, once MTV came, Blondie, of course, was an established headliner in their genre. And you had the very commercial and marketable look of Debbie Harry. So she was perfect for MTV and uh, really kind of perfect in many respects for the video format. And so uh, pretty, pretty amazing act. And again, I think a lot of people maybe underscored the fact that um, you know, Debbie Harry had some, uh, you know, some punk influence in what she did. So there you go, top 10 list from Blondie. Didn't think we were going to get there today, did you? If you have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out to me or Roy. Roy is better, I'll be honest with you. Roy's not as forgetful as me. You can find Roy on Twitter at dogmatic67. That's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. DMs are always open. And let him know what you're thinking. And sometimes people will hit him up asking for lists, and we've already done them. He's happy to send them to you when he has time. But uh, a lot of you have reached out and said, you know what, Steve, I love a top 10 list. I love uh, a lot of older people say, hey, thanks for uh, paying tribute to these artists that I grew up with. And there's some younger people who are like, hey, my parents listened to this. I didn't, you know, maybe pay as close attention. But you now on the top 10 list, I've been able to kind of see that uh, they were more than one-hit wonders. It's been a while since we've done a one-hit wonder list, too. Maybe we can look into that. Maybe maybe Roy can put that down for us. Maybe we'll look at like one-hit wonders for decades for a while. But uh, Blondie, again, a Hall of Fame act that we hadn't done in a while. We've had done ever. I don't know if I've ever mentioned Blondie on the show before. Maybe we haven't. So I'll wear it. It's my fault. But uh, again, check them out. You'll be glad you did. And as always, you know, find our great list on Spotify. Again, you can find Roy at Dogmatic67 there too. Be sure and check that out today. Right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart. As always, Campus Bookmart, a Stark Villian institution. Be sure and check them out today. You'll be glad you did. Go by and see their smiling faces as often as possible uh, because of the fact that uh, the bully shop has been completely renovated. No longer the textbook business. Everything is upstairs now. You don't have to walk downstairs. Very easy access to get to everything you want to get to. If you can't make it to town, let me encourage you to visit them on the World Wide Web, courtesy of Al Gore's Internet, at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over $75. Any order less than $75, absolutely incomplete. And you, if you're looking for the Mike Leach stuff, like the Leach mock necks or crew necks, the hoodies, the sweatshirts, you can find them there. And again, that's, that's accessible to you as a consumer, but it's allowable at every Mississippi State sporting event. Nobody's going to look at you silly for that. I mean, if you wear a basketball jersey to a baseball game, you might get some dirty looks. You wear a football jersey to a baseball game, you may get some dirty looks. You wear a baseball jersey to the hump or to a football game, you may get some dirty looks. So outfit your family with, uh, with sport-specific and appropriate apparel. And you can always just get those generic Mississippi State Athletic shirts, too, or just Bulldogs, whatever. You can get something you can wear to everything at campusbookmart.net. All right, let's talk a little baseball here. Friday was miserable. It was miserable. And not just because of the game, you know, our reaction to the game, which a lot of that's justified. I mean, because we had had that poor game on Tuesday against Louisiana Monroe, and it's like, 
you know, Steve, we just can't seem to win two in a row. We beat VMI, we lose to VMI, we beat them, lose to Louisiana Monroe, beat Louisiana Monroe, then we lose to Arizona State. And when we lose, we lose big. And that's the thing that frustrates people because we look forward to this all year long. We take so much pride in Mississippi State baseball. And to see us get absolutely shelled, you know, three times in the first half dozen games, it doesn't sit well, especially considering we're coming off a losing record last year. We don't want to have this, well, here we go again feeling. But that's how it felt Friday. It was miserable. It was. I absolutely could not wait to leave. And I love Mississippi State baseball, but it's like, I know it's a long season, but when you're sitting there and you're getting you're getting beat, and it's not just getting beat, you're kind of gifting the game away. You know what I mean? But we couldn't pitch. We couldn't pitch, and you know, you look up and it's 13 to nothing, man. I mean, it's like, what? How does this happen? How does this happen to Mississippi State baseball? Well, it did. And it started early. We give up a leadoff home run to make it a one nothing ball game. And the only reason it wasn't one nothing a pitch before is he was just a little bit out in front. He crushed that ball. And Cade was not good. And Cade Smith was probably our most reliable pitcher last year. He was not good on Friday. Later in the inning, uh, they score on a pass ball. Not good. Not good. And, again, a chance to get out of this, and we don't. And then we give up a, uh, you know, a sack fly here. RBI makes it a 3 nothing ball game. So it's 3 nothing before we even get in the dugout. And that's the thing, too. We can't keep chasing the ball game. You know, at some point, we've got to be able to get, um, you know, get a lead and kind of manage the lead. We go one, two, three in the first there. In the second, Arizona State comes right back out there, and uh, Crenshaw, who the number two hitter in their lineup, hits a, a bomb, too. It's a two-run shot. Now it's five to nothing. And I, I, I started tracking all this. And we can look back at it now. But Cade Smith, part of his success last year was the ability to throw first pitch strikes and get ahead. And the first time through the order, I think he got ahead of two hitters. And there was one stretch there where it was eight consecutive first pitch balls. That's just not Cade Smith. It's not. We know what he's capable of. Is he, is he an elite Friday night guy? Not yet. But the guy gets out there and competes. And the fact that he was throwing so many first-pitch balls has me a little bit concerned. Now, I expect him to bounce back. And he was pretty good against VMI. wasn't great. He was pretty good. But he wasn't good against Arizona State. And I don't think it's just because of the quality of the Arizona State player. I just think Cade wasn't right. And every great player has an off day. And that's what I hope that that's what the situation is. But we absolutely could not get ahead. I go back, looking at the second inning of work here, Every single player in this frame for Arizona State got a first pitch ball. Every one. Six guys came to the plate. Every one of them started out no worse than 1-0. True story. And you can't win that way. You can't keep getting behind hitters. Not against Power 5 competition. Just can't. Our bottom of second, State goes 1-2-3 again. Cade bounces back there in the third, and uh, we get a 1-2-3 inning. But two of those three guys, first pitch balls. It was Hill flying out on 0-1 that snapped the streak there. Our bottom of third state finally gets a little bit going. We get our first hit of the ball game, Rice Highfield, Ross Highfield with a single. 
And then Lang gets on a, on a fielding error, and you think, okay, we've got two men on with one down. Let's make something happen. We don't. We go quietly. And that's for the top of the order. You know, Imani and uh, Colton Ledbetter both uh, didn't come through there. And so we, we strand a couple. Top of the four, they get to us again. And uh, Cade walks Contratus, who can really play. I don't know if you watched the game, but Noah Contratus is from Hawaii, plays third base for Arizona State. I don't know if we'll see a third baseman better than him this year. That kid is so good. He makes everything look easy. I was so impressed with him. And, again, I know he didn't have the big offensive numbers that some of the other guys did. But Nua Contratus, a phenomenal third baseman. Well, he walks, and then we hit the leadoff hitter, uh, Keyshell. And so they pull Smith. We bring in Casey Hunt. We immediately get a K swinging here, and then it's a walk to load the bases. Then there's a fielder's choice here, and we, you know, we couldn't turn two. They score. And then there's another infield hit. They score again. So it's 7 nothing. And then we get Will Rogers. Not that Will Rogers. But KC gets, gets Will Rogers to K. But it's a 7 nothing game midway through the fourth. State's still not ready to score. Even though we got some things going here. We get a one-out walk from Hancock. And then Hunter Hines doubles to left center. So we have runners at second and third with two outs. We need the big hit. Dakota Jordan walks to load the bases, and then Ross Highfield strikes out swinging. You, we got to get the big hit there. And listen, I'm not anyway being critical of Ross. He's been outstanding. I think you all see what I see with him, what I saw in the, in the preseason. Uh, he is going to be a great player at Mississippi State, and he's already making a contribution. So I'm not being critical of him, but in that situation, we got to be able to come through here, especially in the seventh ball game. So they survived that threat. In top of five, they blow the game open. Absolutely blow the game. We keep Casey in there, and maybe it's a mop-up situation. Maybe we're just going to let him kind of work through things. We open out well enough. We work it full, but we get a K swing, and then there's a single from Hill, and then there's a throw in there. We throw the ball away. Goes to second. Uh, Contratus singles. Keyshell singles. It's 8-0. Crenshaw singles. Loads of bases again. Campos is walked. Long is walked. We've walked him back-to-back runs. We pull Casey Hunt. It's 10-0, and uh, we bring in Tapper, who has been good. It's kind of a freak thing here, but it's a triple down the line, the first baseline, all three runs score. He bounces back and gets back-to-back Case to get us out of it, but it's 13-0. In the fifth inning, it's 13-0. It's, it's nuts, man. Drives you crazy. State, goes, State gets a wall, leadoff walk from Forsyth. We quickly erase that with a double play in the Ledbetter case looking. So nothing really doing for State in the, in the uh, fifth. Tapper stays in and uh, gets a one, two, three inning. In the sixth, bottom of six, State finally starts to get some things done. But the game is decided at this point. You're not going to come back from 13 down in the final four innings against a power five team, with rare exception. And Bryce Chance flies out, Hancock walks, Alford then pops up the second. So a little bit of a two-out rally here. Hines singles back up the middle on the first pitch. Jordan walks again, and he again he struggles at times recognizing spin, but he is patient enough to let you walk him. Heifel is then hit by the pitch, which forces in a run, our first run of the game. They review the play, and it was legit. And then Forsyth singles through the left side and gets a couple of RBIs, makes it 13-3. And Lane had his best weekend of the young season. Uh, this weekend. Started barreling some balls up and comes through here. Uh, Larry then grounds out the short of Monty. Not a great game on Friday. Top of seven. You know, Tapper's back out there. We open up with a walk. We had a K and a fly out, give up a single. And then rather than yield, 
We dig down deep and we get a strike out of Jackson. So we kind of keep the game where it is. Bottom of seven, State breaks through again. But again, it's a little too little too late. Ledbetter flies out. Chance strikes out swinging. So again, a two-out rally here. And it's Luke Hancock in the middle of it. Uh, single to the right side, advances on a wild pitch, and then Slate off for doubles to left, and Luke comes around to score. Hines walks, and then uh, Dakota strikes out swinging, but it's now a 13-4 ball game. Top of eight, we get up a single, then a pop-up. There's a fielder's choice where we retire the guy at second. And then Crenshaw singles where we hold the guy there at second, too, can't advance. And then uh, what do we do? We gift them the pass ball and allows them both to move up. And then Campos grounds out. So despite the fact that we had a couple mistakes there, we're over to overcome that. Uh, bottom of the eighth, we go one, two, three. Excuse me, we had a fielder, excuse me, we had a fielding error that allowed Forsyth to reach. And then Amani grounds into a double play. Again, not a great game for Amani. Playing hard, putting the ball in play. Not being critical, but that's part of it. But Brock Tapper does a good job kind of keeping the game where it was as best he could. Uh, and again, these young pitchers, the future of our program is in those young arms. Cole Cheatham comes in, gets a K-swing, and there's a walk, and then he gets a uh, a tapper back to the mound, and uh, we get an out there, and then we get a K-swing. So a nice outing for uh, Cheatham. Bottom of nine, State tries to make it a little bit interesting here. We're pinch hitting a lot, but uh, ground out to third, there's a walk. We K-swinging, and there's a single to left from Nate Chester, and then Hines grounds out, and that's your ballgame. 13-4. Brutal, man. Brutal. I love Mississippi State just as much as all of you do and probably more than most, but the reality of it is is this this is embarrassing, man. It is. To get beat like this, it's embarrassing. You got to put up with all these smarmy nonsense on, on Twitter. But Imani goes 0 for 4. Ledbetter 0 for 4. Uh, Bryce Chance 0 for 4. The top third of your order doesn't get a hit, doesn't get on base, no walks. That can't happen. Absolutely cannot happen. Um, Luke Hancock goes uh, one for two in the ballgame. Sweet offered one for four. Nate Chester, one for one as a pinch hitter. Hunter Hines, two for four. Don't let him get going. Dakota was 0 for two with a pair of walks. And Ross Highfield, one for three. And Lane Forsyth, one for three. But uh, not good, man. Not good. And like all of you, like I'm thinking, do I need to cancel my plans for Frisco? I mean, do I need to go spend the money to go cover this? You know, and it's not about having angst. I mean, you start making business decisions about this. Who's going to read it, right? I'm not going to go down there and spend all this money and go write stories that people aren't going to read. All right, game two, things were much, much better in game two, as they should have been. And this game was a real quick one. Now, again, we st- we get down early in the ball game, But, uh, you know, Graham Intima, and that's the correct pronunciation, Intima. I know a lot of people look at that Y and don't know what to do with it. You know, is the Y silent? What's happening here? But it's Intima. Graham Intima. Insert him in, and uh, I'll be honest with you, I didn't think he was impressive in his first two relief appearances. I'd heard so much about him, but I didn't think he was impressive. He was impressive on Saturday. He was outstanding on Saturday. And what do we do? We hit the first guy we see. But then we settle down. We get a fly out to center. Uh, we, we pick a guy off, and there's a ground out. And so we face the minimum, even though it wasn't a one, two, three inning. And then State comes out there, and, and I, I will tell you guys, I did not think that Christian Curtis um, could beat us without our help, but I, I think you could make an argument he is their best starting pitcher. So Larry grounds out, Ledbetter walks, and DJ strikes out swinging. Ledbetter takes second. He'll be a 20-bag guy easy. Hancock walks. He got a chance here 
and then Ledbetter takes third. Two, so two stolen bases in, in the uh, in the bat for him. And then Slate offered uh, you know, grounds one to second. They forced a runner at second. But we had some traffic on the bases. Top of second. So did A&M. And some of this is our own fault. We hit the first guy. It's back-to-back innings that we hit the leadoff guy deep in a count. This is on a full count. Rogers K swinging. Tobias strikes out looking. Think we're going to get a chance to get out of this thing. We give up the wild pitch, which moves long in a scoring position. And then Hill from Episcopal and Baton Rouge singles through the left side. This is a ball that gets you lane four side. Here's my complaint about this. Some people said it should be an error. Absolutely not an error. Absolutely not an error. There's not an official scorer in the country that would score that an error. Shouldn't have been. But he shouldn't let it roll, and DJ should have been charging on the play. There's no way that guy should score there. Absolutely not. Absolutely should not happen. That's not Bulldog baseball. It's not good defense. Then he'll still second, and then Jackson strikes out looking. So a lot of this, again, self-inflicted here. A hit-by-pitch, a wild pitch, and maybe we don't hustle for a ball. Yeah. Gives them a run. That's on us. And there, and there were three components to it. It wasn't like it was one play. I mean, you know, we, we were co-conspirators in our own demise there. Bottom of second, we go one, two, three. Top of third, we give up a leadoff single, get a K swinging, another single, but – we're able to get a force out here, and then Long flies out. And so while there was a couple runners on, we're able to pitch around those two singles. Bottom of third, State finally gets even here. Forsyth lines out, and then Amani Larry singles up the middle, goes to second on a wild pitch. Colton singles, and Larry comes around from second to score to tie the game. Led better than still second. <laughs> it's like you put him on, it's, it might as well be extra bases. Uh, uh, DJ strikes out Ledbetter that goes to third on a wild pitch and then Hancock strikes out looking that's not going to happen very often and then Graham settles down it's like you go back and look at the you know pitches around these singles and then he grounds he gets a ground out a fly out and he sits down I think the next eight they go one two three in the fourth State breaks it open here in the fourth this is the decisive inning and it starts with patience at the plate so he'd offered walks he gets ahead 3-1, ends up walking. Then Hunter Hines walks. So now you get runners at first and second. And uh, Kellum flies out. And then they walk Bryce Chance to load the bases. And then Lane Forsythe, the much maligned Lane Forsythe, comes up, much like he did the day before with runners in scoring position. And uh, rifles one in safely for a base set, a couple runs scored to give us a lead. And then the whole old adage about hitting being contagious – yeah, there you go. And, again, if you if you walk the first two hitters of an inning, you deserve to give up runs. They did. They end up walking. The bases loaded. Lang comes through with an RBI single, two RBI single. Then Amani gets an RBI single. They change pictures and bring in Bodlovich. And then Ledbetter gets ahead 2-0. And then Rocks won the right field. It's a 5-1 ball game. And then DJ singles. So it's four – it's two – it's three walks in the inning, and you get four consecutive singles. And exactly what you'd expect, State puts uh, four runs on the board. And then Luke flies out on the first pitch uh, you know, to end it. And then Graham right back to work. You give him the lead, and he goes one, two, three with a couple of Ks. Bottom of five, State goes one, two, three. And uh, Teeting comes in the ballgame. We got to him on Sunday, but really good job for him on Saturday. He actually goes three innings of hitless relief against us. We bring in Evan Sierra in the sixth. And you start thinking, where are these young guys coming from? Do, I've told you guys before what a great job we did recruiting. I think we're seeing that this, this freshman class might be better than expected. Evan Sierra comes in there, gets a K, walks a guy, fly out, and then a strikeout. We go one, two, three in the sixth. In the seventh, Sierra's back out. It's a one, two, three inning. 
We get into seventh. We go one, two, three. Top of eight. Sierra back out there. There is the uh, there's an interference play because he runs inside the line there. Give up a single, and there's a fielder's choice and a ground out. And so Sierra has gotten you through the sixth, seventh, and eighth with not any issue whatsoever. This is a kid that was playing high school ball. He was getting ready for his promise time last year, and he's out there against a Power Five team in a tight ball game. Throwing up zeros. You got to love it, man. Our bottom of eight, we finally get teething out of there, but we still really couldn't get anything going. State goes one, two, three here. All right, top of nine, we bring Sierra back out, and you had to give him the ninth as well as he was pitching to save some wear and tear on some other guys. And we give up a single, we get a K, and there's a walk, and you got to go get him at that point. You, you, you do. And then Nate, Nate Dom comes in and gets a K looking and a pop-up to short, and the game is over. And we felt a whole lot better about life. Not just because we won, but we held the same team that we, you know, you go back to Friday where we had a dozen walks and a hit by pitch. And then you look at Saturday. Guys, we had two walks. Two walks. And one of those comes in the ninth inning when Sierra was winding down a little bit. Ten Ks against two walks. I mean, it's big time. So it wasn't just that we won. It's just that we pitched it as well as we did. And we got some big, timely base hits. You had the one big inning. We are able to, to kind of, you know, piece some things together. And we get into Sunday. And I felt good about Sunday. I didn't think that their Sunday guy was going to be able to slow us down. I, I felt really good about Landon Gartman. And uh, we are rewarded with our faith and optimism. One of the best games of the year. And, again, back-to-back, Saturday and Sunday, State plays airless baseball. But you get into that Sunday game, and you, did, you, you know what you got with Landon Gartman. The stuff is not electric. There's a lot of swing and miss in his game, and you know he's going to compete. There's nothing worse than a scared pitcher. Not in college baseball, there's not. I mean, really, at any level. A guy that's scared to compete is not going to challenge his own. He's not going to challenge hitters. He's going to nibble, nibble, nibble. He's going to walk the ballpark until somebody comes up there and gets him. And that's not Landon Gartman. Landon Gartman will compete. The kid's going to fight. So you come out and you get – you know, quick, two quick outs, we walk a guy and get up a single, and lo and behold, they run the UAAA play, you know, the Little League play, where they get the delayed steal from second. You try to get in the rundown to allow the guy from third to score. And I don't know why we're not prepared for that. that. That stuff irritates me. That happened against Kentucky back in 2021, and I wanted to just – I wanted to throw my laptop out of the press row. Our bottom of one state answers, uh, again, top of the order. When Imani and, and Colton are playing well, we're playing well. Get a single from Larry, led better walks. Then DJ singles. Bases are loaded here. Hancock flies out. It's an RBI sack fly. And then Alford, uh, sack fly for him too. And then Hines singles right back up the middle. I thought that was a huge play in the ball game Because here they were thinking they're about to get off the, the field. And Hunter Hines extends the inning. So it's now a 3-1 game as Kellen Clark flies out to left field. All right, top of second, Hill, the kid from Baton Rouge with a solo shot. And rather than fold and panic and everything else, Garman goes right back to work. We get a ground out, a case swing, and a case swinging. Good pitchers don't allow adversity to derail them. Stay goes one, two, three in the second. We get into the third. We kind of pitch around a little trouble here. Uh, we strike out Newman, and then leadoff hitter Keyshaw walks and still second. We get a fly out to center, and then it's another K. End the inning on a long at bat with a K. All right, bottom of third, lead better walks, still second. I mean, it's just – it's like an automatic double. And then this is a crazy play here. We had Manning on the ropes here. We did. We had him on the ropes, and this is just, you know, the, the cruel game of baseball. 
This kid could not land a breaking ball for a called strike. He could not get us to offer it to change the page stuff. All he could do is throw his fastball. And we've been through that before, too, at times. If all you can do is throw your fastball, you become a predictable pitcher. That's what happens. We've got him on the ropes here in the third, and DJ absolutely tattoos the baseball, but give them credit for advanced scouting. They had the second baseman position right behind the bag. He grabs it and steps on the base. It's a double play, then Hancock strikes out looking. Top of four, Garvin still doing pretty good here. We get a strikeout swing and a fly out. You think we're out of it, and there's a long at bat. We walk him. Don't get the thing we want. And then Contratus singles to the right side. But they bring in uh, Kian Vu, and we get him swinging too right out of the inning. Traffic on the bases, nobody scores. Our bottom of four, State blows this thing wide open. And that's usually what happens, right? It's like when you get through the order a second and third time, if you hadn't put up runs, you're probably in trouble. And even though State had a 3-2 lead here, we needed some room, and really this was the knockout punch right here. And again, Manning unable to throw the breaking ball for a strike. When you can throw the breaking ball for a strike, that, that's the key to the kingdom, right? This wasn't the case for him. Offered sharp, sharply singles to center, then Hines singles down the right field line. And uh, everybody moves up. You know, we got runners on the corners, and Hines goes to second on a wild pitch. It was a close play. And then Kellum Clark with an infield hit, drives in the run, makes it to 4-2. They bring in Teeting, who dominated us on Saturday, even though we won the ball game. Teeting was outstanding for them. Throwing that sinker, man, it was incredible. But we greet him rudely here. Bryce Chance singles through the left side, drives in the run, making it a 5-2 game. Forsyth gets a sag bunt down to move both runners along into scoring position. That's good baseball right there. And then Larry's hit by the pitch. They review it, and of course it's correct. And then... You know at this point, you can't throw a breaking ball for a strike, and you've got an elite fastball hitter at the plate and know where to put him with one out. And they get, of course, it's a 3-0 count. So what do you, what do, you do? Well, you throw that get-me-over-strike fastball to make it 3-1. We're going to give you that. On 3-1, he can't run the risk of throwing the breaking ball. You're going to walk in a run. You're not going to get him out. Because nobody at this point, at this point in the ballgame, three three times through the order, is going to offer at that breaking ball. And then you can't spot up your change for a strike. So what do you have to do? You got to go challenge him, and you and you didn't live to tell about it. Because Colton Ledbetter hit a moonshot to right. It was gone off the bat if you were at Duty Noble Field. You know exactly what I mean. It went from contact to cheer. It was almost like the Elijah McAmey home run against Stanford. Like everybody in the ballpark knew it. I guess we were all anticipating it and expecting it. And as soon as he barreled it up, everybody knew. It's now a 9-2 ball game. They bring in uh, Noah Liebenhoff, kind of mopping up a little bit. We got after him a little bit, but a fly out to right, single to center, and then we strike out. But 9-2, the ball game essentially is over, even though you'd say, oh, we're stealing our bullpen, you never know. This isn't last year's bullpen. And I think it's time you had a little more confidence in some of these younger guys that are coming along here. We've got some dudes. It's just a matter of getting some experience. All right, top of five. Guard still doing great. Foul out to, to the catcher. Ground out to short. We get a, a infield single here. Then it's a ground out. And he ends up going over 100 pitches, which is a lot. But I don't think he throws hard enough to really hurt himself. We go one, two, three there in the fifth. In the sixth, we bring in um, Tyler Davis, again, who has not been good in either of his outings. He had one good inning in the first outing, but um, did not look good. And then he comes out and is absolutely dominant. Uh, strikeout looking. We allow a single to right, and then it's a fly out to center, and it's a strikeout looking. 
good first inning of this appearance for him. Bottom of six, State scores again, and it's Lane Forsythe. No wind behind this one. This is all Lane as he deposits one in the left field lounge, makes it a 10-2 game. And we get a ground out to third, Ledbetter walks, and then still second. <laughs> it's, it's insane, it is. And then uh, Dakota Jordan strikes out swinging, and Hancock flies out, ends the inning. But again, State building on the lead. And that's one thing that good teams do is you, you never take your foot off the gas. You never take your foot off the gas. Until the coach starts putting in pinch hitters, you just keep grinding. All right, top of seven. Um, Davis back out there. You get a fly out to left, a foul out uh, off the right side there. We do walk a guy, and but we get Crenshaw to fly out. So, again, back-to-back pretty good innings here for Davis. Bottom of seven, State continues to build. Slate offered singles, and Hunter Hines homers makes it a 12-2 ball game. Clark grounds out. Down strikes out swinging, and then Forsyth grounds out to third. Again, anytime it was hit to third, I expected to be an out. That kid's really good. All right, top of eight, we start getting some you know, liberal substitutions here. Uh, we, and then we bring in um, Kobe Holcomb. Need to get him going. That guy can really help us. Ground out the short, and we get up a home run. And a lot of people are like, oh, we get the home run. Let me tell you this, in a 12-2 ball game, I want that guy pounding his own. I'm just trying to get the game over. I don't care if they hit a home run. You go out there and you pound his own, and we're up 10 runs. If they hit one out, so be it. We're only up nine. Don't go up there and walk people. Go compete. And so he challenged him, and he loses here. Then he comes right back and gets a ground out, and then they give up a single to right, and then we get a K looking. And so Holcomb, again, not exactly where we want him to be, but I'm not going to be upset about a home run in a 10-run ball game. Not going to do it. I don't want him up there nibbling, neither do you. Bottom of eight, State adds even more. Adds even more. Larry singles, Ledbetter singles, and uh, everybody moves up on a wild pitch, which eliminates the possibility of a stolen base. High Zach flies out the center. It's an RBI sack fly to make it a 13-3 ball game, and then Hancock is hit by the pitch to uh, load the bases again. Excuse me. That's not correct. That's not correct. Uh make it runners on the corners. And then Chester walks to advent, to uh, make it a bases loader situation. And then Ross Highfield hammers one down the left field line, drives in a couple runs. It's now a 15-3 ball game. Von Siebert walks and then goes to second on a wild pitch. And Chester scores to make it a 16-3 ball game. And then we get a little bit here. Will Holt uh, flies out the center. Uh, top of nine, we bring in Will Gibbs, and uh, kind of uh, nobody's really talking about this kid. He doesn't have elite velo, but he's got great movement. The slider is elite. Um, he, interesting to see what he's going to be after a year or two in the weight program. But, uh, again, another young guy we've been able to count on. He gets Varnado to strike out swinging. We get up a single to right, and then there's a walk, and it's like, hey, let's just get this thing over. We get a fly out to right field and then a strikeout swinging uh, at the end of all game. So State wins 16-3. And with Lane Forsyth hitting a home run, that means every Bulldog regular starter has a home run this year. That's pretty cool, right? Now, Lane's only had two home runs in his career. He's not going to make a living doing that. But uh, the fact that up and down the order, we do have some pop. We knew it was going to be an offensive lineup. It was. And you may not have remembered this, but on Saturday, we had 14,320 fans, the seventh largest crowd in Duty Noblefield history. We had 11,000 on Sunday. Huge, huge weekend. I, I guarantee you not many people feel the same way we do about um, coming out and enjoying each other's company. So the Bulldogs win the series. And, again, like all of you, I'm sitting thinking, you know, if we could just find some consistency, because when we lose, we get blown out. 
And you start thinking, too, if, when we get good pitching, we're offensive enough that we're going to win ball games. And I think when you begin to think about facing Sunday pitching, we should be able to hammer Sunday pitching. And so you, it kind of boils down to if you can avoid a meltdown on the mound on Friday and Saturday, you, you should have a chance to be competitive and win most of your series. But uh, as offensive as we are, you know, Sunday should be Bulldog Day. All right, Bulldogs will be back in action Tuesday. That's a 6 p.m. first pitch at Trustmark Park. That's tomorrow night. If you haven't done so, you can go online. You can Google Trustmark Park. You can find the ticket. You can go to Ticketmaster, buy your tickets, come out and enjoy that. You know, the last time we went down there and played, we, we got embarrassed. We didn't, we didn't play well at all. And uh, against Southern Miss, we did. We played well against Ole Miss, even though we lost. But we didn't play well against Southern Miss. And then this weekend, of course, we will be at Riders Field in Frisco, Texas, Take on Ohio State, Oklahoma, and Cal. Ohio State, uh, I think three and five on the year. Oklahoma four and four. California has played well. They upset Stanford uh, down at the Sunken Diamond. That's a Sunday game. But you start thinking, you know, hey, if we can go three and one this week, it's a good week. And even though Ohio State is not a power, Oklahoma did play for an AFL championship last year. They did lose a lot from last year. Uh, but Cal has always just kind of been an also round in the Pac-12, kind of middle of the pack type team. So it'll be an interesting weekend. I think we'll have a much better idea of what our team truly is this weekend. You know, can Entima go back out there and do it again? You know, chances are he's going to be uh, facing Oklahoma. You know, if, if the same rotation as last week is Kate Smith against Ohio State, Entima against Oklahoma, and then Gartman against California. And that, that's a big ballpark, too. Riders Field's a huge ballpark. So we're going to be in minor league parks the entire week, and uh, we'll be in attendance. Me and the lovely bride will, will be at all four games. We'll have full coverage uh, everywhere. And so be sure and uh, stick with jeanspage.com. If you're looking to watch the games this weekend, the Frisco College Baseball Classic, D1 Baseball is going to stream it. I don't know if you got to pay for it. I don't know it at all. But that's going to be your only opportunity. So you're going to have to depend on us and depend on the radio to kind of keep you up to speed if you're not in attendance and you're not going to stream with D1 Baseball. Next week is a much different week. We get uh, all four of our games are at home. That's Valpo on Tuesday and then Lipscomb. And the next thing you know, we head to Biloxi before we uh, begin SEC play. So we'll see how things go. But uh, not happy with the results on Friday, but happy to get a season win, a series win. I was hoping for a four-in-one week. I thought we'd sweep UL Monroe and take two out of three from Arizona State. And then all of a sudden you lose to UL Monroe and you start thinking, man, we're going to have to sweep to make this thing happen. But the reality of it is we, we weren't able to do that. But, uh, again, I think Arizona State is in a much improved team with all those transfers. Now we need those guys to go get hot, right? We need them to go help us and be a resume builder for us. And, and again, Arizona State's going to have dudes, man. I mean, they are. They won five NAFL championships. Uh, they did a great job. In recent years, Arizona's probably been the better of the of the in-state schools out there when it's come to college baseball. Jay Johnson did a great job there before he went to LSU. But big win for us and uh, very happy for us to turn things around. And Mississippi State now, you got to build on this, right? you got to build on this. We, we have to go beat Southern Miss. And a uh, good chance. You may see both Bradley Lofton and Gerangelo Sanjay. You may see them both. But one of those guys is going to start. We'll see how things go. And the fact that we didn't have to use Nate Dome a whole, Nate Dome a whole lot, and we didn't have to use uh, Nixon at all. So the bullpen sets up pretty well for us tomorrow. And I don't know if you know this. Maybe you did. Guys, Southern Miss gave up 35 runs to Illinois over the weekend. Were you aware of that? 
Weekend pitching at Southern Miss at home. Gave up 35 runs to a middle of the pack. Big Ten team. So many people thinking Southern Miss this year is going to be their year. I think last year was their best chance, and, of course, they blew it. They beat LSU, and then they lose to Ole Miss, uh, the eventual national champions. No shame in that. But uh, a lot of things didn't go their way in the postseason. And, and But this has not been uh, good, guys. This, this is not good. They're 5-2. and two. They sweep Liberty, and they beat UNO, and then they get Illinois. And on Friday, they get beat 13-5. to five. They win on Saturday in 11, 14 to 13, but still give up 13 and then lose 9 to 4. So Southern Miss pitching gave up 35 runs. And it wasn't just like one game that was an anomaly. You give up nine plus every game. Woof. Not sure who's going to start for them tomorrow, but uh, they don't have the pitching they had from last year. In, in the first weekend, you thought, hey, man, Southern Miss pitching's good. Only allowed three three runs on the weekend to Liberty. Well, how good's Liberty? They shut out UNO, and you're like, wow, four games in, just three runs scored. And then Illinois absolutely ambushes them. So they'll come out with something to prove tomorrow night, but uh, this is a pitching staff that can be had. And as offensive as we are, got a chance to go in there and win this ballgame. We need to go win this ballgame. And the, the fact that we're even debating this, I, when I was younger, I know when – you know, Fred Cooley and Damon Power and those guys were at uh, Southern Miss. It was a great teams. But uh, the bottom line is we always expected to be Southern Miss. We did. And, and this needs to be the case, too. And, again, you keep the juice going. You find a way to go win this one, then have a winning weekend out there in Frisco. With the schedule you have next week, it sets up pretty well to give us a little juice heading into conference play. So no time like the present to make some cool things happen. So we'll see. All right, final segment show brought to you as always by our friends at Portico. Brooks Bryan, my friend, your friend, a friend of Mississippi State, former Diamond Dog, went to Omaha twice. The guy knows what a special place Mississippi State and Starkville is. Part of a great group of individuals bringing this wonderful residential development to Starkville. Very easy to find. You turn off 82 on a 12 light going to campus. The very first ride is Pat Station Road. Go to the four-way stop. There is Portico on your right-hand side. Give yourself a self-guided tour next time you're in town. 1.1 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus. How cool is that? Pretty awesome, right? To be that close. Buy your place up here. Go to all the ball games, men's games, women's games, baseball, football. All your friends, all your family want to come stay with you. How nice would that be to be a destination for the people that you love when they're coming to Mississippi State? You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home, go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home, and really everything in between. Phase one's completely sold out. Phase two, under development now. Most of those homes are sold too, but there's still one for you. And maybe if you're not in a big hurry, it'll take a little time. You can pick out a lot. You can pick out a housing plan. They'll get going on that for you too. Give our friend Brooks Bryan a call at 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. you got some great baseball stories for you too. Now, I'll tell you this, too. Brooks is still engaged, man. Brooks is still very much – anytime Mississippi State is playing a major sporting event, he's going to be here. I'm just That's just how it is. I love it, man. I do. Give Brooks a call today and make Portico your next move. Okay. We didn't win against LSU. Okay. I'm not going to sit here and say I told you so. That's not, that's not what I'm here to do. I thought the ladies competed well, did the best they could. And at the end of the day – our, our, our season is a success. No matter what happens the rest of the way, 
this season, in my estimation, is a success. Now, that said, I'm not done winning golf ball games, And I don't think you are either. And we lose to LSU down there in front of a record crowd on senior day, and they have had an outstanding year. We lose by 25. And that's okay. We're not at that level right now. I know we want to be, but we're not there. We went out there and competed. We did the best we could. And we're not going to spend a lot of time conducting an autopsy on this game. It was a competitive game. We had the lead after the first quarter. And then they go up six at the break. And in the third quarter, we're right there with them. But then eventually, we just we just couldn't we couldn't close the gap. And a, a good team. But we went and competed. We didn't just say, okay, well, this is the end of it. It's not. Jessica Carter with 10. Uh, Ja'Kayla Jordan with 16. We had several Bulldogs get in the scoring column. Okay, but it is what it is. But it's over, right? All right, so the regular season slate is in the books. We're 20-9, and 9-7. and 14-2 at home, 3-6 and six away, 3-1 and one on neutral floor. We're going to play the SEC tournament on neutral floor. So let's look ahead to the SEC women's tournament. Your Bulldogs, we talked about it last week. They could finish anywhere from 5th to 7th in the seating. Well, you finish 5th. With Ole Miss beating Alabama, we kind of leapfrogged them. And so, hey, it works out. And we always talked about finishing the top half of the league. How is the number five team in the SEC arguably the best women's basketball conference in the country? Not an NCAA tournament. Doesn't make much sense to me. However, I think we need to win a game in Greenville. In order, to, in order to remove all doubt. Now, it all gets started on Wednesday. It's an early morning game. And uh, you might want to pay attention to that first game of the tournament, Vanderbilt versus Texas A&M, because the winner of that game is going to play your Bulldogs in game two on Thursday. The second game on Wednesday will be Florida versus Kentucky. That's a 14 versus 11 matchup. I, I'm, I'm happy with our draw, even though I think A&M and Vanderbilt both have played better down the stretch. But... Um, we got to win those games, and we have, right? We've beaten those teams. but uh, So those games will be obviously will be, uh, be big, but um, you get into Thursday, Arkansas, that's an eight-versus-nine game. That's Arkansas versus Missouri. I think you're pulling for Missouri there. Are, are you not? I mean, even though you're a little bit ahead of Arkansas, I mean, I, I want everybody that's around us to lose. And, of course, State will play the winner of the Vanderbilt A&M game That'll be 25 minutes after the uh, Arkansas-Missouri game. And, of course, uh, those times are all set for Eastern because it's in Greenville, South Carolina. So Thursday afternoon, we'll play a game. I think you win that game regardless of who it's against. I think you win that game. I think you remove all doubt. I think we're in now. But I think you win a game in the tournament, I think you're definitely in. You win two in the tournament, there's absolutely no question. You're playing for seeding at that point. I'll be shocked if we win a game in an SEC tournament and don't make the big dance. All right, Georgia will play Auburn in the uh, the nightcap on Thursday. And then we get into the big the big guns on Friday. South Carolina will play uh, in game one. And then Ole Miss and LSU and Tennessee, all of them, of course, playing their first game of the tournament. They'll be fresh. That bye is so huge. We know from experience. So Alabama – Looking at the schedule here, Alabama will play the winner of Florida, Kentucky. And that rounds out that part of the bracket. And then South Carolina could be our next opponent. If we manage to beat Vanderbilt or A&M, then we would play South Carolina. And obviously you, you, you beat them. You absolutely in the tournament. 
uh, so the chances of us winning two, probably pretty slim. But I don't know that anybody has played South Carolina as well as we have in in this league. So, you know, and that was on the road. Excuse me, I was at our place. But you, know, you never know. We're playing much better basketball now. But South Carolina is a machine. So probably our best hope is to win one in a tournament and then come home and, and wait for our seating. But that's kind of how I see it today. So the chances of us uh, you know, advancing, not strong, but, you know, as a reason you play the game. So we just got to go take care of business and beat either Vanderbilt or Texas A&M and then just kind of hope for the best. But I think, again, you win that game, and I think you can feel good about life. I think you can feel really good about where you stand. And, again, this season is, is a success. No matter what happens the rest of the way in the postseason – Year one under Sam Purcell, an absolute success. You're starting to see the fans begin to come back. And the fact that we post 20 wins and a winning record in the SEC and finish fifth in the standings after all the adversity, it's a step in the right direction. I go back again. This time last year, we're getting ready to make two coaching hires, and everybody wondered. And a year later, it's obvious that we've hired both of the best individuals. Tremendous. And real quickly here, you know, when I begin to think about, you know, women's basketball and how much that used to be, you know, appointment television for everybody, you know, I think it's okay to start feeling that way again. And when the SEC tournament is here, I, I keep it on. Even when I'm up here working and writing, I've got it on, you know, so I can hear it when I'm, I'm writing or I'll pull it up on a tab on my computer and kind of check in. It doesn't matter if it's the men's tournament, the women's tournament, or softball or whatever. I've always got it on because I want to know what's going on around the league. But it's okay to start believing again. I know we've been burned. There were so many of us after Vic Shaver, well, this is it. This is it. And you know what? That may be the end of the golden years of Mississippi State women's basketball. That, that may be the truth. But I'm not ready to buy that. I think Sam Purcell, the way that he's recruiting, I think we're going to be right back in the national landscape. And the fact that we can get a fifth-place finish in this absolute war zone of a league in year one, makes you feel even better about next year. And, of course, it's going to be a different roster. We're going to have changes. But the reality of it is is that we've got a great coach. We do. And here we are again getting ready to go play uh, in the SEC tournament, and it means something to us. It absolutely does. It means something to us. And, again, that game is huge. That game is huge. It really is. And a lot of people think, oh, we're in, we're in, we're in, we're in. Maybe we are. But we, I believe we remove all doubt with a win on Thursday. And, again, a lot of rooting interest for you this week, obviously. You know, the men's basketball team, we've got a couple things, and then you know, a lot of baseball. So you're going to have something outside of today. You're going to have something kind of look forward to and think about every day. Uh, you're going to have – it's going to be a big sports watching week for you. And so wish you all the best and you have a great week. Uh, but, I, again, I'll be on the road uh, for all four games this week. So if you're coming to Trustmark Park, I'll, I'll be out there. You can say hello. I'm working, but I'll be out there. And we'll be down in Frisco. And I know there's going to be a big contingent of Bulldog fans out in Frisco. When we were out there, goodness, a couple of years ago, I guess three years ago, uh, man, it was brutal. I mean, the weather out there was absolutely brutal. And uh, we ended up canceling the Sunday game. You may recall that. But we did. We canceled the Sunday game. And we're happy we did. I got in the car and came on back home and uh, surprised everybody. But the reality of it is, is that um, – it wasn't good baseball weather. But looking at the 10-day forecast and uh, or the weekend forecast, it's going to be better than last time, but it's not going to be crisp. 
The Friday, uh, the highs are in the 30s, excuse me, lows are in the high 30s, and then the highs are in the high 50s. And then Saturday, overnight low of 38, high of 63, same thing on Sunday, basically. So it should be much better baseball weather, probably similar to what you saw this weekend at Duty Noble Field. So doesn't appear to be any rain in the forecast, so we, let's go out there and have a good time. Uh, I might even stay an extra day. You never know, I may go see if I can't go get into the Cowboys uh, facility and see what's happening up there. You never know, right? But I'm looking forward to uh, to being on the road, and I love road baseball. If you don't cover road baseball and you don't follow the Bulldogs, I can tell you there's nothing there's nothing cooler to me than going into somebody else's venue and beating them at their place. Listen, I love winning at Duty Noble Field, but I expect that. But when we go on the road and those Bulldog fans out there that are maybe in a foreign territory, right, you know what I'm talking about? You're out there, and you're like a big maroon cork floating in a sea of uh, orange and white or purple and gold, and, and you go down there, it's very satisfying to get up and go to work the next day when we go in there and win that ball game. So I encourage you, as always, get out on the road and support the Bulldogs on the road in all sporting events, not just baseball, but when the Bulldogs come to your town or within a reasonable driving distance, let's encourage you to get out and go do that. I know how much it means to those parents. I know what it means to those players and coaches. If you hadn't done so, go to dogpilebook.com and you can get all my sports books there. Flim Flam, Stark Villains, Alpha Dogs, and Dogpile. Blooms of Oleander are always available through Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, BooksAmillion.com. Get your Stark Villains gear at StarkVillains.com. And that's actually officially trademarked. Maybe you didn't know that. I'm looking at it right now. From the United States Patent and Trademark Office, Stark Villain. Had the trademark now for three years. I like it. And if you're not a member of jeanspage.com, come join us. You know, come, listen, sometimes the discussion gets a little bit uh, spirited, shall we say. But uh, come be a part of our wonderful community, our experts are there to answer your questions. And at times, listen, you know, when you guys have questions, we in turn will ask them at press conferences. I mean, not the stupid stuff, right? I mean, you know, what the hell were you thinking? Now, we're not going to say that. It's not an interrogation. It's a press conference. It's a professional undertaking. But we're going to ask the questions. We're going to ask the questions to get you the answers that you feel like that you need and you deserve. So be sure and come check us out at jeanspage.com. And again, I don't know that anybody's going to have uh, the full coverage that we're going to have this week. I don't think Robbie's going to Greenville. I don't think so. Um, you know, Robbie, and uh, listen, offer our condolences and well wishes to his family. He lost his grandfather here recently. So I don't think Robbie's going to go to Greenville. But uh, we'll definitely have you taken care of. And we'll definitely have you taken care of uh, with full coverage this week. And, uh, of course, everybody will be uh, on the road doing something at some point. But uh, baseball's got you covered. And then Paul Jones, of course, will have that South Carolina game for you. And then we'll wrap up in Nashville. I don't know that anybody's going to go cover Nashville. But uh, we'll be in Frisco and uh, looking forward to that. But, uh, again, could be a really, really big week for Bulldog athletics in every aspect. I mean, begin to think about that. If the Bulldogs can go 3-1 and one or 4-0 and oh this week, would that not light a fire under you? If the, if the Mississippi State men's basketball team could win both games this week and remove all doubt about their tournament worthiness, would that not light a fire under you? And the ladies go out there and win a game? And, you know, maybe two? No, I'm not expecting it. But, you know, if, if, if you begin to think about a best-case scenario for State, that's exactly how it plays out. Three and one are better in baseball, and if you get it – have a, win both games on the men's side and then win a game in a tournament. I mean, how could you feel in, in any way whatsoever? It wasn't a great week. So that's your rooting interest. Let's go have a great week together, folks. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.